You're listening to Summit Podcasts, where you'll find sermon audio, weekly discussions of the message, the Back 40 Leadership Podcast, and much, much more. Subscribe today at summitpodcast.church and share this episode with your friends. Summit Church, every life made different. So last weekend, we started a series called Where Your Treasure Is, and uh, we spent some time talking about priorities and what our priorities are. And, and here's the thing. Let me just start off with this. Um, our church is not in financial trouble. Uh, we planned this series like a year ago, over a year ago. Um, and so this isn't a response to the recession in our world or inflation or anything like that. So I don't want you to get the wrong idea. But, but the reason we're doing this series right now is because this is a season when we talk a lot about giving. We talk a lot about gifts. We talk a lot about blessing people. And it feels natural for us to talk about how do we develop a spirit of generosity? How do we grow in our generosity? How do we become radically generous, because that's one of our core values here at Summit. So how do we become radically generous? What does that look like for us? And so that's really what we're talking about during this series. What does it look like for us to live radically generous lives? And so last week, we, we talked about this passage, and we won't go real in-depth with it today, but it serves as our starting point for the series. And in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 6, Jesus says this, he says, don't store up treasure here on earth where moths eat them and rust destroys them and where thieves break into steel. Store treasure in heaven where moths and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will be also. And here's what Jesus is saying. He says that your heart will follow your treasure. And this is what I have to understand. My heart will follow my treasure. And not just my finances, but the places I invest my life are the places that my heart will follow. The places I give my time are the places that my heart will follow. The places that I give my talent, my ability, and my energy, and my finances, my heart follows that. And so Jesus says, be very careful about what you treasure in your life because your heart will be captured by the things you treasure. And so we talked about priorities last week and putting first things first and putting God first in our lives. And what does that look like? And what does that mean? And I actually want to share with you, and last week we talked about um, what does it mean to put God first in our lives and our finances? Because when we do that, then really every part of our life follows that. And, uh, and I want to share a story with you uh, from the Debizers and uh, their experience with this. My husband and I started tithing a year, about a year after we started coming to the summit. Uh, at first it was just kind of sporadic, um, and then we ended up going through a small group called Kingdom Builders, and that really planted the seed of, you know, our money isn't ours, it's God. So um, it helped to kind of take away that sense of entitlement of not wanting to let go of my money because I worked for it, so I wanted it. Um, but just to kind of give back to God what is His, and then, you know, then some in addition to the 10%. Once we started tithing regularly um, and really made that a priority, we, we were able to see God work in amazing ways for us. Um, we kind of, I guess, got into other areas of serving and expanding our generosity, serving within the church, um, signing up for missions trips. We were able to see God bless us um, in ways we didn't expect with just getting like random checks coming in to support us going on missions trips. Um, and then allowing us to help support and fund other people for missions trips, which is something that um, has been really near and dear to our heart. 
Um, other things are just, you know, sponsoring children, donating to Feed One, Compassion, um, and just even opening up our home to bless others with what we've been blessed with, to have small groups um, and just make it a safe place for people to get together and fellowship. Uh, and then we even extended that into fostering um, and now adopting, which is so exciting. Um, but just being able to give back to others um, and share with others what God has really blessed us with. There is definite fear um, and hesitation with tithing because it's like, well, how are we going to pay for this? And what do I need to cut back on? Oh, I can't just go buy XYZ anytime I want. Um, so there was definitely like, now we're going to lack. but. There's never been a moment where we didn't have everything we needed and then some. You know, it's like it, you still end up, I know, I remember us doing the budget at times. And then at the end of the month, we're like, how do we still have this much money left in our account? You know, like, what did we do? And it just, it wouldn't make sense. It was just, it was like, okay, God, like, you got it. When we really, truly gave our finances over to him. Um, and side note, we were actually able to be completely debt free, minus our house, last year. So during probably one of the toughest times, I mean like COVID, all of that wonderfulness. So um, that's in addition to tithing, making sure we are like <laughs> every month we get paid. It's like that first 10% goes. Giving of myself, giving of our finances, um, just giving to others what God has already so abundantly given to us, it really is life giving. And he blesses us in ways that we never thought possible because of it. I don't know if you caught that where she said we were actually able to get debt free aside from their mortgage during COVID. And uh, that was pretty incredible. And what she's saying is this, that when we put God first, everything else falls into place. And it doesn't mean we're gonna be extravagantly wealthy, that we're gonna get all the money we ever wanted, all the stuff we ever wanted. But what it means is our hearts will begin to shift to, to now we don't want the stuff. What we want is what, what God wants. And this is really what, putting God first is about. It's about bringing our hearts into submission to God. Now, there's a passage in Luke chapter 16 I want to share with you this morning. In Luke chapter 16, uh, Jesus is talking, and he, we're going to start in verse 9, and he says this. He says, here's the lesson. Use your worldly resources to benefit others and to make friends. Then when your possessions are gone, they will welcome you to an eternal home. Use your worldly resources. Now, depending on the, the translation of scripture you have, um, it might say money, it might say possessions. Uh, there's one translation that actually says the mammon of unrighteousness, uh, which sounds really, really heavy, right? It's like, what in the world? Um, we're actually gonna see this phrase three more two more times in this passage. It's used three times in these a uh, few verses that we're about to read. And really what we're talking about when it says worldly resources, uh, what we're really talking about is this idea um, that, that the resources aren't bad. Money is not good or bad. It is an inanimate object. Um, it's what it's used for is what lends it value uh, as far as it's being morally good or bad. So it is inanimate. It has no opinion one way or the other. But what Jesus is talking about is taking resources that were intended for something other than kingdom purposes and redeeming them for kingdom purposes. So 
Until it's redeemed, it is worldly. It is just something that we're gonna, we're gonna buy Starbucks with, that we're gonna buy, um, you know, uh, I said this last week, unsweet tea from Sheets. Here's the thing too. I, I stopped by Sheets this week and got myself an unsweet tea. And, uh, and I did it like this, like, you know, like making sure nobody saw me. And I drove away and I got a text from somebody in our church. I think they're in this service. It was like, hey, how was that unsweet tea? And I was like, no, like... <laughs> busted, right? This is the money we're talking about. It's the money used for me, whatever I want, and it's not bad. It is just not redeemed, and it's not used for eternal purposes. And this is what Jesus says. He says, use your worldly resources, use the resource, not just the money you have, but the things you have that really the joy would terminate with you. He says, use it to benefit others and make friends. Now, this doesn't mean that we buy friends. It doesn't mean that, that we manipulate people with our wealth to get friends. That's not what it's saying. He's saying, use what you have in your hand, no matter how little or how much, and use it to bless others. Use it to help others. Because when you help others, you're gonna make a friend. Use it for eternal purposes. Let, let God redeem that for the good of someone else. And then he says, then when your possessions are gone, because remember we talked last week, that all of our money will evaporate, right? It'll disappear. Um, even if you don't blow it or spend it on stupid things, um, recession and inflation gobbles up our dollars. Like that's what happens. It leaves us if we're not careful. So it says, when your possessions are gone, they will welcome you to an eternal home. So when we let God redeem what we have in our hands, there is an eternal reward for that. There is blessing for us outside of just the immediate moment of getting my coffee or getting my tea or getting my candy bar or getting my lottery ticket or getting my, I, the list could go on and on and on. He says, there's something more valuable. And here's, here's what I'm imagining. It's when we have a missionary come through and tell us about what they're doing throughout the world and God speaks to your heart and you go, you know what, I'm gonna give them a, a, some cash before I leave today. You know what, I'm gonna pick them up in monthly support. I'm gonna give them monthly support. Um, you go, that's great, I'm helping a missionary. No, I, I believe you're making a friend. Because what I'm imagining is there's gonna be a day when you're gonna get to heaven and there's gonna be somebody who's gonna approach you and say, hey, you don't know me. I was raised in another continent, but you supported a missionary and that missionary shared Jesus with me. And I just wanna say thank you. I just wanna say thank you for being generous. And now we are brothers. We are occupying heaven together. Heaven is bigger because of what you have done. See, we've made friends that are eternal. And this is what Jesus is after for us. He's not after our money. He's after us shifting our hearts so that we will have an eternal mindset about something that is most definitely temporary. That's our resources. That's the things we have in our hands. Then he says this, if you're faithful in little things, you'll be faithful in large ones. But if you're dishonest in little things, you won't be honest with a greater responsibility. And if you're untrustworthy about worldly wealth, this is the same word again that we used earlier, worldly resources. He says, if you're untrustworthy with your money, who will trust you with the true riches of heaven? And if you're, un, if you're not faithful with other people's things, why should you be trusted with things of your own? These are hard questions. See, gee, everybody thinks Jesus was super nice, and he was. He was benevolent and loving and caring and 
man, he just calls them out, right? He says, if you're not faithful with little things, why would you be faithful over big things? Hey, if you can't be trusted with somebody else's stuff, why would you think you deserve your own stuff? And this principle is true. I talk to business leaders often, and one of the things we, we're fortunate with is we have a really great staff here at Summit. And I'll have people say, man, how have you hired the team you've had? And, and so there's some principles, but some of it is just God sent us great people. Um, we've got a good culture. It's worked out. Like, we're, we're fortunate. Um, but one of the things I talk about with hiring all the time, and not just with hiring, but just in general, in leadership is the best predictor of future performance is past performance. So if I wanna know, can somebody build something? Well, have they ever built anything in the past? And that's a pretty good indicator. Um, if I, if, ladies, if you wanna know if your boyfriend is gonna be faithful when you're married, has he been faithful while you've been dating? Because if he hasn't, he's probably not gonna be faithful when you're married. Some of you are like, oh no, I gotta break up with my boyfriend. Yes, you do. <laughs> so the best Indicator of future performance is past performance. And this is kind of what Jesus is saying. He's saying, hey, if you can't be faithful in a little, you will not be faithful with much. And here's the thing. Uh, there'd be times when my girls were younger that my, my parents or my in-laws, they would give them a gift. They would give them money for their birthday. And sometimes we would withhold that from them. We wouldn't just give it to them because then they would buy $100 worth of candy or something like that. And then I would be forced to eat it while they slept that night. <laughs> right? <laughs> and so, so here's the thing. Um, they would blow it on stupid things because they couldn't see beyond the cash register. They would walk through the store and go, I need that. And go, you don't need that, but I want it. They had no, no, concept of how to spend their money wisely. They could not be trusted with $100. And the reality is they probably couldn't be trusted with $1. So why in the world would I give them $100 to blow on something stupid? So I would hold that to make sure they had it for the appropriate time for something they really wanted or needed. Um, and, and this is what God does in our lives. Some of us have been praying for financial blessing. God, why won't you bless me? Why won't you bless me? Why won't you bless me? And God goes, because I don't want to mess up your life. I don't want to give you something that's going to take you off the rails. I can't trust you with the, the Powerball. You've been praying for it, but I can't trust you with that. And the reason he knows he can't trust you with that is because he can't trust you with your current salary. He said, you're not being faithful with that. You're not redeeming that for eternal purposes. So why would I trust you with more? Because I know it's just going to hurt you. So God is actually good to us when he doesn't give us everything we ask for. And he says, you gotta be faithful in the little things or you can't be faithful in the large things. And then he goes on to say in verse 13, no one can serve two masters for you'll either hate one and love the other or you'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. And this is the same word again, this mamonas that we talked about, the first two words. And it's this idea that this, that money can save us. It's a spirit that says, if I just had a little more money, then I would be safe and secure and good. And, and this is what we should be going to God with, going, God, if I just had a little more of you, then I would be safe and secure and good. And this is what Jesus wants to occupy in our hearts, but too many times money does. So how do we grow in our faithfulness? How do we become faithful in the little things so that we can be trusted with the big things? I'm glad you asked. And here's what we do. Because we've talked about this before, but 
this is a picture of our finances, but this is a picture of our lives. Many times people who are not faithful in little things with their finances are, are not faithful in little things in other areas of their life as well. So we've gotta be careful. But if we wanna grow in generosity, this principle is true in every area of our lives. Because some of you, um, we th- when you think of generosity, you think about giving to the church, but some of you are gonna leave church today, you're gonna go to lunch, and you're gonna tip your waitress 2%. And let me help you with something. That is not a good tip. <laughs> you might think that's wildly generous, but it's not. It is a bad tip. And so what I wanna help you do is grow in your generosity in every area of your life. I want you to grow in generosity with your kids and with your family. I want you to grow in generosity with grace and with mercy that you extend to people. Every area of your life, I want you to grow in your generosity. And this is a basic way that we can begin to do that. So. So we'll use the picture of our finances in the church as the starting point. So for some of you, you come to Summit and you hear us talk about generosity and you're like, well, I'm very generous. Uh, But the reality is about 40% of the people who attend Summit uh, never give anything at all to Summit. And I'm not saying this to condemn you. I'm just telling you this is the state of where we're at um, as a church. And most churches are that way. That is the number across the board. About 40% of people who attend churches nationally never put a dollar in the offering or in the box. And, and so my challenge to you is take a step. Take a step. And for you, you might be taking a step to become a first-time giver. You're going to give for the very first time. You're going to say, I've never given before, but I'm going to give now. And... I'm gonna become a first time giver. I'm gonna put something in the box. Maybe you've never really tipped well and you go, okay, I'm gonna actually tip for the first time. Uh, I've, well, we don't tip when we do pickup because they don't even bring any food to the table. They actually work harder when you're picking up the food because they gotta box it up and get stuff ready. So, but I'm gonna become a first time giver. I'm gonna give to the church. I'm gonna tip, I'm gonna, whatever it is. I'm gonna take a step of generosity and become a first time giver. Some of you, you've given before, but that's it. You drop something in the box, that's awesome, and I just wanna say thank you. Because literally, no matter how big or small the gift is, it is helping us do what God's called us to do as a church. So thank you for that. But I wanna challenge you to take a step. Maybe you've done that before. Maybe you've given before, but you've never given again. Well, this is where we take a step and become an occasional giver. This is the person who's gonna go, hey, I'm gonna give occasionally, once in a while. When I come to church, if I think of it, if I've got, I'm gonna put something in. That's great. If you're here, take a step to here. Some of you are already here. You give occasionally, and I'm grateful for that. But my challenge to you is take a step. Take a step of generosity and say, what would it look like for me to take a step from being an occasional giver to an intentional giver? Now, what is an intentional giver? An intentional giver, this is about regularity. This is somebody who says, hey, I'm gonna give every week. I'm gonna set up a recurring gift every week to come out of my checking account, to come out of my credit card. Um, But I'm going to be intentional about how we give. It's not going to be haphazard. I'm going to plan. I'm going to think about it. I'm going to give with regularity. So again, if you're here, occasional, move to here. Just set it on your app. Set it in your banking account to become an intentional part of your life. Be intentionally generous. If you're already intentionally generous, maybe you give regularly. I would challenge you to, they got out of order about to mess you up. (laughs) Become a proportional giver. Now this is where, honestly, for me, it gets fun. When we begin to give proportionally. Proportional giver says, I'm gonna give a percentage of my income 
to the church. Um, this is what churches talk about when they talk about the tithe. And the tithe is the first 10%. That's the video you just saw a minute ago. That is, that is her saying our family is a proportional giver. We're giving the first 10th of our income to God and through the church. Um, and maybe you go, I can't give 10%. I can't start there. Okay, well, biblically, the first 10th is what is redeemed and blessed. And so if you're going, I can't get there, we can't take a 10% pay cut. Okay, that's cool. That's not a problem. Take a step anyway. Um, take a step. And maybe when you're moving from here to here, you go, okay, I'm going to move from an intentional giver to a proportional giver. And we're going to move to 5% of our income because 10 feels like a big jump. And then continue to move toward that. Because again, biblically, when we tie, that's where the blessing lies. So a proportional giver says, I'm gonna give a percentage of my income to God, to the church. And then finally, this is where we see just cool stuff happen. Extravagant giver. This is what we talk about when we say radically generous. It's one of our core values. That we don't want you just to, to give, we want you to be extravagant. We want you to be radically generous. And again, I wanna help you. This is not just with our church. When it comes to um, ministries in our community, I want you to be radically generous. When it comes to your time and serving and blessing and helping not just Summit, but the people in our community, your neighbors, um, other churches, we want to be radically generous. We want it to be extravagant. And extravagant giving, extravagant generosity, it's unexpected. It, it surprises people. They're not looking for it. They're not expecting it. It comes out of nowhere. And that is the fun stuff. And nobody likes giving gift cards except the people who don't want to go shopping for a gift. But it, let's be honest, I've never gotten a gift card for somebody and be like, oh my gosh, they're gonna love this gift card. But there's been lots of gifts I've given where I'm like, oh, they are not expecting this. This is gonna be awesome. I've been excited about it. And this is what I want you to do. Start living your life in such a way that you are growing your generosity, that you're growing and extending grace to your family and friends, that you're growing and extending mercy to the people you come into contact with, that you are growing in your generosity of love, that you are growing in generosity in every area of your life because it is not just about money. It is all about our heart. I said last week, some of you think God is after your money, but it's way worse than that. God wants every part of your life. And our finances, it's a way to train our hearts. See, the tithe is a way to train our hearts to follow God. There's a passage in Mark chapter 10 I wanna share with you. Mark chapter 10, Jesus was in the midst of his ministry. We'll pick it up in verse 17. It says, as Jesus was starting out on his way to Jerusalem, a man came running up to him, knelt down and said, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good, Jesus asked. Only God is truly good. But to answer your question, you know the commandments. You must not murder. You must not commit adultery. You must not steal. You must not testify falsely. You must not cheat anyone. Honor your father and mother. Teacher, the man replied, I've obeyed all these commandments since I was young. You can almost hear the excitement in this young man's voice, can't you? He, he's He's been living his life for this moment. And he comes to Jesus and he says, tell me about this heaven thing. What do I gotta do? Because I think I'm in good shape. And he says, okay, here's the commands. He goes, awesome, 
awesome. Like I can imagine as Jesus is naming them, he's just building excitement. He's checking them off going, yes, 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 yes. I got it all. Like I'm ready. That's me. He's so excited. He, he's, he's done everything. He says, I've done all this since I was young. I, I've done, I've kept the commands. I've lived a really good moral life ever since I was young. And listen to Jesus' response. It says, looking at the man, Jesus felt genuine love for him. So I want you to hear this. Jesus loved this man very much. He genuinely loved this man. He hears his story, he hears what he's saying, and he loves him, and listen to his response. He says, there is still one thing you haven't done. Go and sell your possessions and give the money to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. At this, the man's face fell, and he went away sad, for he had many possessions. Jesus speaks directly to this man's heart. He knows What's going on in this guy's life? And in love, he responds to him. There's some translations that say, one thing you still lack. One thing you still lack, go and sell everything you have. And he doesn't say, and give the proceeds to me and my ministry. He says, give the proceeds to the poor, then come follow me. And you can be my disciple. It's interesting, we don't even know this guy's name. In scripture, he's known as the rich young man. I bet we would have known his name if he hadn't been rich, if he would have given away his riches. I bet we would have known his name. He, he could have been one of Jesus' disciples, but he made a decision. His face fell, he went away sad, why? Because he had possessions, he had a lot of stuff, and Jesus called him out. Jesus says, you've done all the important stuff according to the, the law, but one thing you lack. And he recognizes in this moment, it's not that you don't love me. It's that you don't love me enough. It's not that you don't love me, but it's that you don't love me first. See, and in this moment, Jesus calls him out and says, there's something you love greater than me. It's your security, it's your wealth, it's your money, whatever it might be. So he confronts him. He confronts his affections and Jesus confronts his affections because he loves him, right? It says he loved, genuinely loved this man. And what does he do? He confronts his affections, and I want you to understand this. Jesus will confront your affections to reveal your affections. See, this young man came to Jesus and he thought I had it all together. God is first in my life. Man, I'm so moral, I'm good. If he was in our context, he would be like, I go to church every weekend. I've already gone to, to growth track. Mel's been talking, I've gone to growth track. I've completed it. I filled out all my background checks. I, I give. I lead a small group, I help with serve projects, I've downloaded the serve app on every device I have. And Jesus says, one thing still you lack. And he says, the thing you lack is, you don't love me first. There's something you love more and Jesus pinpoints it and he does it because he loves him. And when he confronts his affections and he says, I am not your top affection, all of a sudden, this man has this realization of who Jesus is. He has a realization of who he is and what his real affections are. And this is the thing. Jesus will convict us about our disordered affections. He will. He's gonna come to you and say, hey, you love that activity a little too much. 
It's not sinful, you're not going to hell for it, but I'm not first. Hey, you love that product a little too much. You love that behavior a little too much. You love that point of view a little too much. You love that person a little too much. And these can be really good things. But if our affections are disordered, we can love really good things too much and we can love Jesus too little. And this is what he confronts in this man. See, Jesus wants to show us what we really love. He wants to reveal our affections to us. And the only way he can do that is if he confronts our affections. And he does that because he loves us. Verse 23, we continue in this passage. Jesus looked around. So this man walks away sad. Jesus looked around and said to the disciples, how hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. This amazed them. But Jesus said again, dear children, it's very hard to enter the kingdom of God. In fact, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. Then the disciples were astounded. Then who in the world can be saved, they asked. Jesus looked at them intently and said, humanly speaking, it's impossible, but not with God. Everything is possible with God. Now here's the thing. Think about this guy. He he came to Jesus. He was wealthy. He was young. I imagine he was, uh, I, I'm imagining this, this is not strictly biblical. I imagine he was a really good looking guy. I don't know why, I imagine he was handsome. He was the quarterback of the football team guy, square jaw, Disney prince is what I'm imagining, right? And he shows up and he's wealthy and he's energetic and he's bought in because he's been obedient. And it would have been so easy for Jesus to be like, listen, I know what's really going on in your heart, but I know what you could do for me. So we'll work this out. We'll figure this out. Because it would be dumb for Jesus to turn this guy away, right? He was wealthy. He could help support the ministry. But this wasn't what was best for this man. And these disciples look at him and they, they see this guy. He's wealthy. Man, he's been obedient. He's moral. Why wouldn't we add him to the team? And Jesus says, no, 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 no. No, he, he doesn't belong here. And they're like, if that dude can't be saved, we're in trouble. Because the disciples were not, they were not varsity. They were not first round draft picks, if I'm gonna stay with our, our sports metaphor, right? These were people who desperately needed a savior. And they said, if he can't be saved, none of us can be saved. He did everything right. At the end of the day, Jesus says, you guys look on the surface. I look at the heart. You you see what everybody sees. And sometimes we focus on that. Well, as long as I behave correctly and I raise my hand at the right part of the song and I say the right things in church, then I'll look the part. And Jesus goes, I'm not interested in that. I'm interested in what's really going on in somebody's heart. And when we get to this stuff, this is what's really going on in people's hearts. This is the hard stuff. I can fake the other stuff. I can fake morality and behavior and I can fake kindness. If you've ever met a salesperson, they can fake kindness. You're their best friend when they're trying to get you in a car. No offense to their car dealers in the room, by the way. (laughs) But they've got a job to do. They can fake it as long as they need to. You can fake church. You can fake behavior. You can't fake this. You can't fake generosity. This is heart stuff. And Jesus is saying, I'm more interested in the heart than I am the appearance. And here's the thing. There are only two responses to Jesus when he confronts our affections. There's two. And we see one of them here. The first is, 
go away sad. See, when Jesus begins to confront your affections, he's gonna confront them to reveal them. So he confronts your affections in moments like these, and then he begins to reveal it to you, and all of a sudden you're like, well, wait a second, what's wrong with? I don't think you should be talking about this. This is none of your business. I can imagine these are some of the responses Jesus must have gotten. Why does he care about this? Why, he shouldn't even be talking about this stuff. And some of you feel that way in your hearts right now. See, Jesus is confronting your affections to reveal your affection. He's trying to show you what you really love. And when he does that, you, you've got a choice on how you respond. You can respond like this rich man who went away sad. Because Jesus might be confronting some of your affections and going, hey, hey, that, that, that Saturday golf outing that you go on every Saturday, you love that a little too much. Golf gonna send you to hell? No, but you love that a little too much. Hey, that relationship, that friendship. Hey, l- let me be honest. Your kids, should you stop loving your kids? No, <laughs> we will call CPS if you stop loving your kids, right? We will report you. You shouldn't stop loving your kids, but you should not love your kids more than you love Jesus. Do you wanna know how I have evidence of that? Let me go back to Mark chapter 10. Mark chapter 10, the verse we just read, Jesus confronts this man's affections. Verse 28, Peter says, he speaks up and says, we've given up everything to follow you. Literally they had. He calls them out of their work, out of their businesses, out of their families. They still had their families, but they left to follow Jesus. And Jesus says, yes, and I assure you that everyone who has given up house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or property for my sake and for the good news will receive now in return a hundred times as many houses, brothers, sisters, mothers, children, and property along with persecution. He throws that one in for good measure. And in the world to come, that person will have eternal life. But many who are the greatest now will be the least important then. And those who seem least important now will have the greatest then. And what Jesus is saying is, if I confront your affections about good things and you have to move them in the order, you won't lose anything. We think we're laying something down. We think we're losing something. And this is what Peter said. He said, we have left everything to follow you. And Jesus says, your perspective is wrong. Yes, you have sacrificed, but what you're getting in return is so much better than what you've sacrificed. Oh, and so many times we go, oh, I don't wanna go to church today. That's hard, that's a sacrifice. Oh, I don't want to serve. I don't want to give. I don't want to bless my neighbor. I don't want to, because it's going to cost me something. And the answer is yes, it's going to cost you something. But what you're going to get is so much better than what you are laying down. And our only, one of our only responses to Jesus when he confronts our affections, the first one is to go away sad like the rich young ruler. There's another story in Luke chapter 19. Luke 19, it says, Jesus entered Jericho and made his way through the town. There was a man there named Zacchaeus. He was the chief tax collector in the region. He had become very rich. He'd become very rich because he had ripped off his fellow Jews for the Roman Empire. So he'd collected taxes, but he had collected more than he should have, and he skimmed it and made himself wealthy from stealing from his, his countrymen. 
It says he tried to get a look at Jesus, but he was too short to see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree beside the road, for Jesus was going to pass that way. Now, I know that there are people that attend this church that have not grown up in church your whole life. I get that. And I don't want to leave you out of anything. But for some of you, you grew up in church, even as little kids. Does anybody know where I'm going with this? Maybe you heard a song about this guy. Zacchaeus was a wee little man. He, Lord, he wanted to see. Okay, we're gonna stop there. The people in Blairsville are like, what is going on? They were, they were singing, it was congregational singing, Zacchaeus. I don't even know the name of the song, but he was a wee little man. How would you like to be Zacchaeus and be called a wee little man? Not super flattering. Zacchaeus was a short guy. He did not have great stature. He, he was a person of authority and power and esteem in that culture. Um, not a lot of Jews liked him, but he had a lot of money and a lot of influence. Jesus comes to town. He couldn't see because of the crowd. The parade is coming through. He runs ahead of the parade. He cr- climbs up a tree so he can get a glimpse of Jesus. It says in verse five, when Jesus came by, he looked up at Zacchaeus and called him by name. Zacchaeus, quick, come down. I must be a guest in your home today. Zacchaeus quickly climbed down and took Jesus to his house in great excitement and joy. But the people were displeased. He has gone to be the guest of a notorious sinner. They grumbled. He's gone. Jesus has gone to hang out with sinners. Can you believe Jesus would hang out with sinners? How dare he try to reach people who don't know God? That's what they said. Zacchaeus didn't pay attention, though. He didn't care. Verse eight says, meanwhile, while they were grumbling, Zacchaeus stood before the Lord and said, I will give half my wealth to the poor. And if I've cheated people on their taxes, I'll give them back four times as much. So we don't know what exactly happened in the house other than he had an interaction with Jesus. He spent time with Jesus. And Jesus, something happened in that moment that caused him to be shifted from being selfish to selfless. Something happened to transform what he was about. And Jesus responds in verse nine, and he says, salvation has come to this home today for this man has shown himself to be a true son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and save those who are lost. So the question is, did his generosity earn him salvation? Did did he say, this is what I'm gonna do? And Jesus goes, good, now you can be saved. No, absolutely not. But yet we still think that sometimes, don't we? Well, I'm gonna put some money in the box. I'm gonna give to this and then God will owe me. No, we never give to get. We never give to get anything from God. We don't give to get from God. We give as a response to what God has done. And I think this is what happened in this moment. Zacchaeus recognizes what Jesus is doing and his heart overflows with generosity because of what Jesus is doing in his life, because of this interaction with Jesus. And we should be the same way. We have an interaction with Jesus and it should transform our hearts. See, the the rich young ruler, he went away sad. He said, I'm not willing to give up what I have even though he had an interaction with Jesus. And Zacchaeus, who was a notorious sinner, he wasn't even moral. He has a moment where he says, hey, I'm gonna give half of everything I have. I'm gonna give it away. And when I've cheated people on their taxes, I'm gonna give them back four times what I've cheated them. 
So remember what I said, Jesus will confront your affections to reveal your affections. I don't know what happened in this house, but I believe Jesus confronted Zacchaeus' affections. And when Zacchaeus was confronted with his affections, he recognized something's gotta shift, something's gotta change. The way I'm doing it is not good enough. So then his affections were revealed, but then they were transformed because Jesus will confront your affections to transform your affections. He wants to confront the things you love so he can help you love better things. And this is what he did with Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus, man, he was building up a wealth for himself. And he interacts with Jesus and it changed everything. Here's the significant part of this. He says, I'm gonna give away half my wealth to the poor. He says, half of everything I have, I'm giving it away to the poor. And then he says, and the people that I've stolen from, I'm gonna give them four times what I've taken from them. Now, according to Jewish law, if you stole from a fellow Jew, you had to pay them back what you stole plus 20%. And so if you're bad at math, let me help you with this. If, if Zacchaeus stole $100 from you, he was required by law to give you back $120. But Zacchaeus says, because of what has happened, because of my affections being transformed, I'm not giving back $120, I'm giving back $400. This is significant. He is going above and beyond what was expected. Why? Because God had done something so profound in his heart that he said, I wanna give extravagantly. I wanna be ridiculous in my generosity. I wanna bless and help because I recognize what you have done for me. As I said, our generosity doesn't earn us salvation, but it's evidence of our salvation. See, what you treasure reveals your affections. I said earlier that we wanna build generosity. We wanna grow in generosity from one step to another. And I mentioned tipping earlier to you. And so I, I wanna take a break, I'm parched. Go ahead and come on up. Can you bring that to me? Hey, you guys in the back? Thanks, I was, I was needing something. So I had my friend bring something to me. Thank you. I'll take that. I'll take that. Just interrupting this service. Good morning. How are you? Oh, thank you. I needed this. Um, hold on. Hold on. I'm not done with you yet. Tell me your name. Unique. Unique? Yes. I'm so glad you're here. Um, let me ask you a question. How long have you been delivering? Couple weeks. Yeah, maybe like two. Okay, just picking up some extra cash. Yeah. Are you an IUP student, or are you out of school, or what are you doing? I'm out of school. Okay. Well, it's nice to meet you. I'm glad you're here. Are you from Indiana originally? No, I just moved here. Okay. Well, I'm so glad you did. What brought you here? Family or? Yes. Okay. Cool. Well, I'm sure you're being a little freaked out right now, aren't you? Yes. Okay. <laughs> well, good, good, good. I'm glad you're freaked out. This is going to be a good moment. Uh, let me ask you a question. You've only been doing this a few weeks. What's the biggest tip you've ever gotten? Um, probably $20. $20? Yeah. Okay, I'm gonna, we're gonna do better than that for you today. Is that okay? okay. We're gonna tip you better than 20. So, <laughs> okay. so if you don't mind, let me, let me just ask you. Uh, family, do you have kids? No, no kids, just me, myself. Just you, okay. Mm -hmm. So are, are you just, what are you doing with your life? Are you like, do you have goals or dreams or aspirations? Most or? definitely, I am a YouTuber. Um, I am a task force consultant. I travel the world to work at different hotels and I help out at different hotels awesome. where they may need help. And you're hustling, making some extra cash. Oh yeah. Good for you. Mm -hmm. 
Good for you. And so you said family brought you here. Do you have like mom and dad? No. Extended family? Yes. Okay. Well, good. Well, this is what we're doing. Um, So we're in a series. We're talking about generosity. Mm -hmm. And what we've done is we're asking our people to be generous to, to you today. And so... No. So, so here's what we're doing. My name's Mel, by the way. I'm the pastor of the church. It's nice to meet you. Nice to meet you So here's, well. here's what we're going to do. Um, I'm going to ask them to come up and just put a tip in the jar for you no, to bless you. You guys don't have to do that. No. Oh, never mind then. Go ahead. Have a good day. You need good. No, no, no. <laughs> no, no, no. We, we've been planning this. And we've been asking God to bring the right person our way. We think you're the right person for today. And so we want to be a blessing to you. So here's what we're going to do. There's no strings attached. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and invite all of you in the room that brought cash with you today that would like to come on up and drop something in the jar for unique and step right over here with me. Just stand here. You have to watch them bless you, be a blessing to you today. Is that okay? Can I record this? Record it. So, Unique, what do you think about that? I'm speechless. Thank you so much, you guys. I just came up off a of brownie and this happened. 
and we're glad to bless you. And we don't wanna just give you a, wad, a big wad of cash. This is a good one. I saw somebody dropping a check too. That's um, good for you. Somebody, yeah. So this, this wad of cash is for you today. And we just wanna say thank you. And um, we just wanna be a blessing to you. So, so here's what we'd like to do. Can I pray a, pray a blessing over you? Because we don't want to just give you some money. We want to bless you. And we believe God's got a blessing for you. We didn't, I don't think you came here on accident today. God knew what he was doing when he sent you here today. And so we just want to pray for you and uh, just pray for God's purposes and plans for your life. So can we do that? Is that okay? Yes. All right. Uh, Lord, thank you so much for Unique. Thank you for the purposes and plans you have for her life. Lord, that you brought her here today for a specific reason, for a specific purpose. And God, I thank you that we have the opportunity to be a blessing to her. That God, as we give generously to her, God, I believe you're gonna use it to be a blessing to her and her life. And God, I believe she's gonna use it to be a blessing to others as well. So God, I just pray that you would unfold your plans for her. Help her to see how good you are. Help her to see your kindness and your goodness and your mercy in her life. And I pray that God, you would um, have your way. Lord, I thank you that your word says the steps of the righteous are ordered. So Lord, I pray that you would direct and order unique steps. Help her to see you every step of the way. And I pray, God, that you would be glorified through her life. Thank you for bringing her to us today. Thank you for the opportunity we have to be a blessing to her. And I pray that this would just be the, the beginning for her, that God, she's gonna see your blessing in every step she takes. She's gonna see you all along the way. And God, you're gonna be glorified for it. So Lord, we thank you. We praise you today. And we thank you for unique. It's in Christ's name we pray, amen. 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 Thank you for letting us help you today. <laughs> Well, thank you, Unique. Uh, I'm gonna give you this jar of cash and then we've got security that's gonna walk you out. <laughs> but thank you so much. And uh, God bless you. I hope you have a Merry Christmas. We love you. We love you. Yeah, give her a round of applause. God bless you, Unique. Guys, I, I've told you, um, and scripture tells us, it really is better to give than receive. As, as big a blessing as this was to Unique for her to be able to receive this incredibly generous gift, um, how much fun is it to be able to be a part of it and to give and to help and to bless? See, I said earlier, there's only two responses when Jesus confronts our affections. The first is we go away sad. You're not going away sad today, right? We don't have the moment where we're going, oh, well, I shouldn't have put that 20 in or the 100 in or whatever it was that you put in the jar. You're going away going, all right, God, right? Thank you for letting me be a part of that. And this is how Zacchaeus responded. Zacchaeus responded by giving Jesus what he had. And these are our two responses. We either say, I'm gonna go away sad because Jesus has confronted my affections and I don't wanna give up what he's asked me to give up. Or we see who Jesus is and what he wants to do in our lives and we say, yes. We say, Jesus, you can have what I have. Whatever I have is yours, no matter how much or how little, if it's in my hand, Jesus, it's yours. My time, my talent, my possessions, it's all yours. Because it's good to be generous. It is fun to be generous. And my challenge to you is, 
what is keeping you from living every day of your life this way? By, by looking for people to bless and help and serve. And this is what Jesus has called us to, not just to give money to the church, please. He wants us to live radically generous lives, but it begins by taking little steps of faithfulness. So would you do it? How will we respond when Jesus confronts your affections? I'm gonna turn it back over to Blairsville right now. They're gonna close out our time together there and give you a chance to respond, but I love you guys more than you know, and I'm so glad I get to be your pastor. God bless you. Really, all this begins with salvation. It begins with us surrendering our hearts to Christ and saying, hey, I'm gonna give myself to you, Jesus. I'm gonna give my heart to you, my life to you, and I'm gonna trust you with it. And so I wanna give you a chance to respond, first of all, for salvation today. So if you're here and you know that God's dealing with your heart, maybe Jesus has confronted one of your affections today and you know Jesus is not my top affection, I wanna give you a chance to reorder those today. So if you would, bow your head and close your eyes all this place. Lord, we thank you for the opportunity we have to be a blessing. But God, I thank you even more that you've blessed us, that you have sent your son for us to pay the price for our sins. And God, I pray we wouldn't take that lightly. I pray that we would see how generous you've been to us. And I pray that today we would hold nothing back from you, that God, our hearts would be yours. So God, I pray for people that are here today that maybe they recognize that you are not their top affection. God, I pray that their response would be the right one, that they wouldn't go away sad, but God, they would open up their hand and say, God, everything I am, everything I have is yours. So God, I pray today would be a day of surrender for us. I pray you would see each of us individually and I pray that the Holy Spirit would bring conviction and show us what needs to change. But God, I pray that we would not hold ourselves back from you. We would see how good it is to give you our hearts and lives and how good it is to be your son or daughter. And with nobody looking around, with your head bowed and your eyes closed, if you're here today and you say, Mel, um, I recognize today that Jesus is not my top affection, that he's not the top spot. He doesn't occupy the top spot of my heart, but I want him to. We talked last week, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and everything else will be added. So today you're saying, I wanna put God first in my heart and my life. I wanna surrender my life to Jesus. I'm not gonna embarrass you, I just wanna pray for you. If you wanna be included in that prayer, would you slip your hand up real high where I can see it? And you put it back down. Yeah, thank you, on my left, I see you. Yeah, a couple of hands, three hands on my left, praise the Lord. In the center section, thank you, sir. Who else? Say, Mel, include me in that prayer. I wanna surrender my life. I know that he's not my top affection. I see you in the balcony, thank you. I see you on the left, thank you, ma'am. Yeah, you can put your hand down. Praise God, just a couple more seconds. Anyone else say, Mel, include me in that prayer? All right. Romans chapter 10, verse nine says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. So I want us to pray this prayer together. Whether you raised your hand or not, I want you to pray this out loud. I want you to confess this with your mouth, but I want you to pray this prayer from your heart. Mean it from your heart. Don't just repeat words, but pray this prayer with me, everybody in the place. Heavenly Father, thank you for sending Jesus, your only son, to pay the price for my sins on the cross. From this day forward, my life is surrendered to you. I invite you to be my top affection. Thank you for saving me and for loving me in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Come on, let's give God a round of applause.
Listen, if you prayed that prayer and you meant it, whether you raised your hand or not, scripture says you are a new creation, that the old is gone and the new has come. So we wanna help you take the next step in your faith journey. We wanna help you grow. Um, just like growth in generosity, we want you to grow in your faith. And, uh, and we wanna help you do that. There are steps you can take. The simplest thing for you to do would be to fill out the card and the seat back in front of you. And then take it to the info center. In just a moment when we finish, give it to them. They're gonna give you a new Bible and they're gonna help you take the step, next step. Uh, if you're watching online or you'd prefer here in the room, simply text Summit PA to the number 94,000 and we're gonna respond back to you and uh, get some information from you and get some info in the mail. And in the next couple days, somebody from our team's gonna reach out to you and help you begin to grow in your faith. So thank you for being here today. Thank you for worshiping with us. Thank you for your generosity today. Um, here's what's gonna happen right now. Pastor Kendall's gonna lead us in a final song. We're gonna sing together while we're singing this song. Some of our team, some of our prayer team, some of our staff are gonna be available for prayer here at the front of this room. And if you need prayer for any reason at all today, no matter what it may be, uh, I would invite you to find one of our prayer team during this final song. And even after we dismiss in a moment, they'll be available. They'd love to pray with you. So if you need prayer today, please don't leave here without letting us pray for you. And then in just a moment, when we're done singing, Pastor Kendall will cut us loose and uh, you'll be on your way. But uh, stay in your feet all over the room. We're gonna worship together one more time. I tell you guys all the time, I hope you know I mean it. I love you more than you know, and I'm so glad I get to be the uh, pastor of Summit Church and be your pastor. God bless you. Have an awesome day. We'll see you next weekend. If you enjoy this content, please let us know by rating and reviewing the podcast. You can also contact us at summitpodcast.church. Remember to share this episode with your friends and on social media. Summit Podcasts can be found on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts. We're there. Thank you for listening to Summit Podcasts, and we will see you in the next episode.